Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, and we're going to go over verses 22 through 41. I think we can accomplish that. Uh, The team does a great job. If you've just tuned in, we encourage you to have a paper Bible. And you young people are probably going, oh, brother, get over it. I understand. I understand it's much easier on your phone. But I encourage you to have a paper Bible that you can highlight and underline and write in, that you get used to going back and forth. It's so easy to just point and touch and, oh, that's where he wants me to be. No, you should memorize the books of the Bible, the old, the new. You should become familiar where the text is at, how to get there, because you never know. And this is not hypothetical. This is reality. You never know when they might just shut off the internet. They might shut off your phone. And you're going to need to have your Bible. You're going to be able to need to know your Bible and where you can go to the scriptures. So as you're watching, I encourage you also maybe have a notebook so you can write down these scriptures and get used to making notes so you can refer back to this week. If you're an unbeliever, we're so glad you're here. Um, This is a long study. It's going to be 30 to 40 minutes long, just to tell you ahead of time. We believe in the Bible. We love the Bible. And so we want to hear what the Bible has to say for us in our lives today. It's very relevant even today. Don't believe that lie that it's outdated, it's archaic, it's chauvinistic, it's not relevant. That's from the pit of hell. That's from from demons. They don't want you to know the truth. The truth is in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and so get a Bible. If you don't have one, feel free to email us at office at ccofqc.org. We will gladly mail you a Bible free. So just let us know. We'll gladly mail you a Bible. All right, Acts chapter 15, verse 22. We'll pick up from our text last week. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own country to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them. So here's the letter. The apostles, the elders, and the brethren to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no commandment, no such commandment. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. 
When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them at Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you that we are going to learn something this morning specifically about unity and how important it is through your Holy Spirit to seek unity. In this country where there is so much disunity on the news on a regular basis, even to the point of hatred, Father, that's not according to your word. We're to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we're to love one another. And so, Father, as we read your word this morning, help us to focus on unity, what that looks like in our lives as believers, that we would be good examples of ambassadors for Christ. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching and that you will be glorified through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, if you're newer, verse, newer visiting, we're gonna go uh, back through the text now, verse by verse. So Acts 15, verse 22. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church. Notice, Psalm 133, 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And let's leave that up for a few extra seconds. That is a key verse that you and I as believers, even as I made my previous announcement about coming together again in person to church, the enemy is going to try to cause division or dissension or backbiting or arguing or this or that. And no, we need to seek after unity. And you'll see how that unwraps in the scriptures here. But Psalm 131 there, verse one, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren, believers, men and women, to dwell together in unity. So back in verse 22, with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also called Barsabas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. Church unity. 
You see, although there are many jokes about church unity, and then sometimes they're really funny, I got to admit, and although there are some real life horror stories, which are not funny, it's very grieving, unfortunately, what takes place among believers. I have found unity to be a very true aspect in our fellowship here in Queen Creek. You know, it's actually been a a wonderful 17 years. And again, I've talked to other senior pastors and I have heard horror stories. And it's been a wonderful 17 years here at Calvary Chapel. Yes, we've had our issues in Queen Creek, but as a whole, it's just been wonderful. And I'm looking forward to however many years the Lord has for us to remain. You see, the believers in this fellowship, they love God. They truly do love God. And they desire to become more like Jesus. And that's why we're here this morning. Not to become more like the pastor or, or previous pastors or, or any other person on this earth, but become more like Jesus. And we all are willing to submit. I don't know if you noticed or not, but we sang a song. And our songs are based on theology. It's not just filler time so that we can go to the bathroom or, or get another piece of bacon while we're at home watching, you know, or, or do whatever. No, it's, it's theology. And one of the songs actually said, you know, we lift our hands in surrender. Not I surrender some. I surrender a little bit. No, I surrender all. I want to surrender my whole life to you, God. Well, that takes the Holy Spirit because our flesh does not want to do that. That takes an infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's what's taking place at our church here. And this is what I see in our text here this morning. And that's why I say it's so relevant. The Bible is so relevant. That's what's taking place in the text here. The church church came together. They discussed the issue at hand. It was a lively discussion, by the way, but it was a loving discussion. It was a going back and forth, not a belittling, not who can yell the loudest to win their argument. No, it was a a firm and strong discussion to address the issue at hand. And then they went back to the scriptures, as you look back, and as we see today, to settle the issue of, and here's the key point, works for salvation. Please notice this. Works for salvation or works of salvation. This is the whole issue about chapter 15 of the book of Acts. Works for salvation. You need to be circumcised. You need to follow the law. Or works of salvation. I'm saved. I love God. Now I love others and I show works of my salvation. I love others. I respect others. That's what it's all about. You see, there is a huge difference. And almost every major religion today is based upon works for salvation. Feel free to take me to task. Because that is a true statement. You either need to be baptized into their church. You need to attend their church to be saved. You need to give money to their church to be saved. You need to pass out pamphlets in order to be saved. You can never leave that particular church or you will lose your salvation. It is based and almost all major religions are based upon that simple fact. Works for salvation. 
The scriptures, though, fortunately, show us over and over again that a person is saved by grace through faith alone. Abraham was saved by faith. Hundreds of years prior to the law, there was nothing he could do. God sought after Abraham. Abraham acknowledged that. He sought after God. And through that seeking relationship, he was declared righteous only by faith. The father of the faith was found righteous. Very, very important. Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter four. Let's look at Ephesians chapter four. And again, the team does a great job with the slides here. So if you're new to the Bible, you can look at the slides. The little white cross shows you roughly in where you're going to find it in your Bible because your Bible is made up of 66 books or letters. And so just head towards the back. They always give two books before our text and two books after our text. So you know you're getting close. And I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. So it might not sound like yours. That's okay. If you just want to listen, you can do that or you can follow along. But I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. Ephesians 4, verse 1. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. Now Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. So Paul is saying this. So Paul says, therefore I, Paul, a prisoner. Paul was writing from prison, literally, for serving the Lord. Beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Notice that if you're a Christian, you have a calling on your life. So live a life that's worthy of that calling. Again, to be what? To be more like Jesus. Not to get out a bunch of rules and regulations from a particular denomination. No, just go to the word of God. Go to the word of God. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Now remember, we're focusing on unity here. So how can a fellowship get to or maintain the unity that is referenced in the word? How can a marriage get to that place of unity? How can a family, how can a singles group, how can what, place it with any relationship? How could our government get along better with each other? This is biblical. You know, if they would just be humble and gentle, instead of being so prideful and arrogant and mean, maybe more things would get done for the good of the people. It's that simple. So don't ever think the Bible's not relevant. The Bible is very relevant. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Notice that. How can we have unity? By first thing, realizing I have faults. I am not perfect. Never will be. And other people have faults. They will never be perfect. So since we both have faults, Let's show grace to each other, realizing right up front, we're not going to maybe come to the same conclusion all the time. If we acknowledge that, then we're going to show grace to each other. Why? Because we love God and we love one another. Verse three, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Notice that in your Bible, it's going to have a capital S. If it does not have a capital S, throw that Bible away and we'll get you one that has it. That's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is what brings unity because my flesh wants to argue sometimes. My flesh wants to disagree. 
And I have to submit to the Holy Spirit, which helps me to submit to others, to have that unifying factor. Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit, and there's really only one church, capital C, church. Just as you've been called to, to one glorious hope for the future. And what is our hope? We're going to heaven. So why should we argue before we get there? No, let's arrive. Let's try to arrive at peace. Love one another and have that unity. There is one Lord, that would be Jesus, one faith, the Christian faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. So as you as a believer, you are a saint. If you're an unbeliever, you do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. You are not a child of God. The Bible makes that perfectly clear. You are a child of the devil. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus said. You need to, re- to repent, acknowledge you're a sinner, ask Jesus to be your savior. The Holy Spirit comes within you. This is all in the Bible. And now you become a saint. You become a saint. And you will spend eternity with God in heaven. And so you will start to understand that God is overall, he's in all, he's through all. Now, not trees and bushes and all that nonsense. In his created being, in, his, in mankind, men and women. Because in the very beginning, God said, let us create man in our own image. In the image of God. We're unique. Well, look at down at verse 11. Skip down Ephesians 4, verse 11. Just skip down a few verses. And I'm going to read this out of the New King James. And he himself gave some to be apostles. Now, this is a list of gifts for the operating of the church. Now, maybe you've had a bad experience in church and you're just like, well, I'm never going back to church. Uh, They're all full of hypocrites and they do this and they do that. And welcome to the church Uh, because you're a hypocrite too. I can guarantee if I sat with you long enough, I could find out you're a hypocrite. That's not the point. You want to read your Bible. You are a member of the body of Christ as a believer and you are a vital member and you have believed the lie of the enemy where you don't attend church because you find fault. You're not trying to find unity. You're not trying to find peace in love. You're finding fault. That means you're in sin as a believer and you need to repent and get in church, get into a Bible-believing church where you can help edify the body of Christ, where you can be that living example. So Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit has given us gifts for the operating of the church to be apostles, some prophets, which an apostle is one who is sent, one who goes out and starts churches. That's in Christianity, that's who an apostle is. It's not like we have hierarchy and the apostles of the Christian church make decrees and you have to follow those decrees. No, we have the Bible. So as you read your Bible, you want to do a little bit of research. And yes, in the church, there are still apostles. And those are gifts given to maybe specific men that go out and they'll start churches. And it may be only for a season of their life. Some prophets. Prophet is one who speaks the word of God. Forthtelling of the word of God. Some evangelist. Uh, there, there are people, men and women, who have the gift of evangelism. It comes natural, supernaturally. They just go out and the Holy Spirit uses them to win people to Jesus Christ. And some pastors and teachers. So notice this. There's gifts for the body of Christ. 
And so you, you really can't have what would we would call, and it's happened in the last 10 to 20 years in America, well, we're just going to do a home church because we don't like churches. So we're going to have our home church. Well, you're out of fellowship. You're out of scripture. And the only way that you can have your own little home church, you and your wife and children, is you have to do scriptural gymnastics to make it happen. It's unbiblical. Well, that's what they did in the very beginning. That was 2,000 years ago. Read all the scriptures. That's not what's called to be taking place now. Otherwise, we wouldn't have these gifts. Or do you have all these gifts yourself? Are you the pastor and the elder and the deacon all rolled into one as the priest of your house? Wrong. You're not. You need to be in the body of Christ. We need one another. Why? For the equipping of the saints. For the work of the ministry. That's why we have church. That's why I spend a half hour to 40 minutes with you. Right now, this is time of discipleship. This is the only time I get to spend with you for most of the week. I can't sit with you individually. So right now, we get together and we learn the word of God. We see the word of God. We get discipled. And then we go out and do the work of the ministry. In our fellowship here over the doors, as people are walking out, we have this phrase, now entering your mission field. You see, when the church leaves, because the church is made up of people, not the building, when the church leaves, they're going out into their mission field. So if you can't come to church for whatever reason, and you're watching it, and it's a legit reason, and you're watching it on, t- on the internet or TV, church isn't over when you turn off the TV. You are the church, and you're going out into your mission field for the rest of the week. And so part of being a part of the body of Christ is you allow pastors and teachers to train you up for the work that's going to take place for the rest of the week, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So also for the building up of the body of Christ or otherwise known as the church, the church, till we all come into the unity of the faith. Notice that. See, a lot of times we don't like being around other people because I have an opinion and my opinion is the best opinion and nobody's going to disagree with me, so I'm not going to that church because people disagree with me. (laughs) Man, you're in sin. You're prideful. You're arrogant. You got a problem. It's called sin. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. There's only one faith. We already read about it. And it's not your faith. It's the faith. Get over yourself. It's the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. You look up that word perfect. It's complete or mature to a mature or complete person, male or female, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Again, notice that in your Bible. To what? To Jesus. Just keep looking to Jesus because the church has people in it and they have problems. I have problems. But we're looking at Jesus. And so that's what we want to do as we look back in Acts chapter 15. We want to just keep focusing on Jesus. How can we become more like Jesus? Well, before we leave these, this verse here, 22, let's look at a few names. Let's look at a few names. Barsabas, it's the son of the Sabbath. Judas, you'll notice that as well. Judas, Barsabas. Uh, not much is known about Barsabas. As you do research, uh, it's basically after this chapter in Acts, that's it. We don't, we don't have any historical information on him. Not so with Silas. 
who is also named Silvanus in the New Testament. Silas will become a faithful ministry, ministry companion of Paul's, and we will see him in the next few chapters of Acts. Then he'll fall out of the book of Acts, but I'll get to this later in the study. He's made, made reference of in the New Testament. You see, as we read the word of God, we also are going to find his name mentioned by Peter as a faithful brother, a faithful brother at the close of his first letter. All right, let's look at verses 23 through 29. Now, we already read over it, so we're going to kind of go fast here. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and brethren. Notice the unity, the brethren who are of the Gentiles. So again, brethren here means a saint, a disciple, a believer in Jesus being the Messiah. You're now a son or a daughter of God. So they're writing to the various churches in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Very important. It was not written to one church, but to Gentile churches located in the various areas in Syria and Cilicia, which is modern-day southeast Turkey. Modern-day southeast Turkey. Verse 24, since we heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, so supposedly some came from Jerusalem and went to Antioch. We went over that in our previous study, saying, notice what they're saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. We didn't send anybody because that would be works for salvation. And we know that works is by faith through grace, period. And so we didn't send them out. The leaders are making it perfectly clear that they did not send anyone from Jerusalem to teach the Gentiles that they must keep the law and be circumcised. Now again, guys, remember, because we have our Bibles and so we just take this second hand, but put yourself in their sandals so that you get a, really a, a fuller idea of what's taking place here. These people are wondering as the elders have gone back to Jerusalem, Man, we have to be circumcised? <laughs> oh, that's, that's going to hurt. Oh, we got to keep the law? We got to keep all 613 commandments? We're not even familiar with the law. This is, wow. Well, now they come back with this letter and they're hearing this letter now. And as soon as they hear that one verse right there, could you imagine the total relief that's come over them? And here's something relevant to you maybe right now. Maybe this is the first time in your life where you've heard that you don't have to work for your salvation, that God loves you, and it's by faith, through grace alone. And you're just going, I am so relieved. This is what's taking place here. They're absolutely relieved. Look at verses 25 through 27. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord. That sounds like unity right there. To send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, to be a Christian means you might have to risk your life. And this is taking place even in foreign lands. As we sit here in America, very comfortable. Yes, Christianity is being attacked, but not physically yet. That's coming. That is coming. But there are brothers and sisters in Christ in foreign lands who are actually being imprisoned and also are being martyred for Christ. It's happening today, 2020. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas who will also report the same things by word of mouth. 
You see, these verses show us that they were sending a delegation to them with some very good news. And even this morning, maybe you're an unbeliever and you're listening, hang in there. I commend you, hang in there because you're hearing some very good news that God loves you, he sent his son to die for you and you can receive Jesus at the end of this service as a free gift and you will become a son or a daughter of God. You don't get any better news than that. It's absolutely free. Verse 28, this shows us the concern that the elders had for these churches. They didn't want to add regulations. They didn't want to add a religious load to the grace of God, but rather they wrote out what they came to agree upon in the meeting that they just had. Verse 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Notice that order there. They had their discussions, they had their debate, but they were open to the Holy Spirit having the say and the final say in the matter. That is so important. So it seemed good to us, to the Holy Spirit and to us. Also notice the order there. Very important. You know, I think of Claudia and I in our marriage. You know, we've had some serious discussions over the years. And we're not in agreement at times. That's normal. Claudia has an opinion. I have an opinion. But we have found through the word of God and we have found that the best way to be, not to be separated, but to come together because I'll have my opinion and she'll have her opinion. But the best way to come together is by reading the word of God. What's God's opinion on this? Yeah, I have my opinion, but what's God's opinion on this? Praying together, well, praying separately. God changed my heart. If I'm wrong, show me, humble me. I want to have unity. Then praying together as a couple, maybe a couple singles, males with males, females with females, praying together as a family, having that family time prayer, very important. And then going, you know what? This is what the Bible says. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying. This is what we're going to do. But I don't want to do that. That's irrelevant. That's now the flesh. We're going to walk in the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Galatians tells us that. So, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. And now here are the four things that we studied last week. You can get the, the CD or you can go online and look at it. That you abstain the things offered to idols from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. Very important. So at this time, they did not have the New Testament. It was not written yet. They had the Old Testament, but the Gentiles did not have the Old Testament. The Jews had the Old Testament. So they literally had no scriptures. So as the scriptures were going to be written, and we'll get to that soon, you'll see the time frames that they were written. Then they explained more about this Christian life. Right now, Christian life is just do these four things. And in that culture, idol worship was all over the place. Not like us. You know, we don't worship sports figures. We don't worship musicians. We don't worship politicians. We don't worship our 401k. I'm being facetious, right? We worship those things. We worship our careers. We worship our children. We worship our grandchildren. Anything that you elevate above God, that's called worship. Anything that you place before God. Well, God, I know your word says this, but I'm going to make an exception for my little Johnny. Idol worship. So we do have idol worship even to this day. 
Be very careful. But if, we re, if, we, if they just took those four basic things right there, you will do well. You will do well. Notice what the last one is there, which is prevalent in our whole world, sexual immorality. Well, you know, the Bible is just a cosmic killjoy. God wants to take away all our fun. Well, I don't know of anybody that's ever said, I got an STD and this is a blast. I'm just having so much fun with this STD. No, you see, it's not fun. It's very serious. There's a lot of illnesses flying around because of basic disobedience. We just want to do it our way instead of doing it God's way, staying pure until you're married. One marriage between one genetic male, one genetic female. God's design. And we'll do well. You'll do well if you read the word of God with your finances. You'll do well with interacting with other people. You and I will do well if we read the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to change our hearts and to apply the word of God. For you young adults, you younger children, you'll do well if you obey your parents. They're taking things back to the scripture and you're rebelling against your parents. You're rebelling against God. Been there, done that. I was a teenager. I was rebelling against God. My parents just happened to be the physical aspect, but I was rebelling against God. My desperately wicked heart, I was a stinking little sinner. There's a lot of little sinners out there. They need the word of God. They need to come to understand, you'll do well. And ever since I've received Jesus and as I've allowed the Holy Spirit through the word of God to implement these things into my life, you know what? I have done well. Does that mean we've never had problems? That's not saying that. That's Christian fiction. You're, you're going to get cold. You're going to get a flu. You may get the virus. You may get cancer. You, you may have someone that suddenly passed from a car accident or a heart attack. That happens to, all those things happen to Christians. That's not what that's implying. It means that you will have the peace of God in your heart. You will have the peace of God that surpasses understanding even in the midst of a virus. Let's look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Because most people are trying to find peace in this world and they're trying to find it through drugs or alcohol or sex or relationships or power or prestige. No, the Holy Spirit gives us peace from God himself. In John 14, we read this. Jesus speaking, this is on the final night before his crucifixion, to his disciples, not to the masses, to 11 disciples, 12 disciples. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, very important. Again, remember what I said earlier? If you're a believer, if you've you've admitted you're a sinner in need of a savior, if you repented, you've asked Jesus to be your savior, you're a saint, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, whom the Father will send in my name. Notice that verse there as well, the triunity of the Godhead. People will mock the Trinity. Well, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, so that's not applicable. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. Triunity of the Godhead is throughout the Bible. Jehovah is not in the Bible. The literal name Jehovah is not in the Bible. Yahweh is not in the Bible. We've inserted the vowels. We assume it's pronounced Yahweh. We assume it's pronounced Jehovah. You will not find that in your Bible, in the Hebrew. You will not find it. So if you want to go down that road, very wrong road to go down. Read from Genesis to Revelation. He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. So as now we have the scriptures 
as I'm in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit who dwells with me, he reveals the scriptures to me and he gives me that peace in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of chaos. Why? Because verse 27, Jesus goes on to say, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Notice that. Unbeliever, notice that. Believer, notice that. You think you're going to find peace in this world through your career or through a mate or through sexual relations or through whatever it is. That is the world's way of getting peace and the world wakes up with no peace. At the end of the day, the world goes to bed with no peace. No, you have to know, K-N-O-W, know God and then you will know peace. Very, very important. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Very important. The word of God keeps us safe from ourselves. Such an important sentence here. We'll keep this up for a few extra seconds. The word of God keeps us safe from ourselves. Please think about that. And the poor choices we used to make. As we leave that slide up there and you think about that, if you were left to yourself and the choices that you make, if God just said, if the Holy Spirit said, fine, you do whatever you want to do. I'm not in your life anymore. I don't, I don't care about you. I don't love you. Just do what you want to do. Disaster. Disaster. You would implode you would implode. But God never says that. The Holy Spirit never leaves you nor forsakes you. But we still have free will. And so as I move away from the word of God, I can cause myself very serious issues and I can implode my life. So maybe you're a believer and you've been away from God and you just happen to tune in. Maybe at this very minute, I want you to know right now, God loves you. He never stopped loving you. He never left you. And he's saying right now to you, right now, via your phone, the internet, your TV, whatever, he's saying to you, repent, turn back, get right with me. I accept you, I'll clean you up, and you will walk, again, worthy of that calling that's placed on your life. That's what you need to do. And that's what I need to do to stay right with God. Well, let's go to verses 30 and 31. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. So important. We don't have to try to meet the law. We don't have to be circumcised. You know, they were probably really glad. They knew Jews. These Gentiles knew Jews. They saw the law, so to speak. I want to ask a few questions here because it raises a few questions. First question, do people look at our lives? Now, this is, a, this is for the believer, not for the unbeliever. I'm spe- this question is specifically for the believer. Do people look at our lives and they're glad that they're not a Bible-believing Christian? Man, what a sad statement that would be. Somebody looks at you because you say you're a Christian, but you're still drinking, you're still smoking, you're still doing drugs, you're still having sex outside of marriage, and and they're going, well, I don't do any of that. Boy, I'm glad I'm not a Bible-believing Christian. That that actually happens. 
Christians actually live that way, unfortunately. I hope they're truly saved. That's between them and God. I wouldn't say they're not. The fruit shows they're not. But that's between God and them. Another question, do those around us love, see love, joy, peace? Again, this is for the believer. Patience, which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit showing forth in our lives. So again, a very important question as we talk about unity this morning. As we look at unity this morning, do other people, unbelievers as well as believers, do they see love, joy, peace, patience? Again, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, Galatians, showing forth in our lives. Because you see, we're a living epistle read by those around us in the stores, in our neighborhoods and at our job sites, in our families. We'll wrap it up with these verses. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Take your time. I want to make sure you get there. So Terrence, you guys. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, very, very important because you are a living epistle. It's just popped into my mind, so I know this is the Holy Spirit. Um, I was in, in a store one time, and... Um, there was, a, a, I, think, I think, a mom and a child. I, I don't know, boy or girl, but anyways, there was a mom and their child. I was in the store ahead of them. I was in front of them. And the child said, that's Pastor Jim. And the mom said, well, how do you know that? He says, I know his walk. <laughs> and I heard about this as they caught up to me and shared this with me. Not my Christian walk, my physical walk. Because he had been to the school here and he had seen me walking around the campus. So he said, that's Pastor Jim. I know him by his walk. Well, you see, that's what unbelievers are looking at us. And they're going, is that person really a Christian? I, I don't, they never talk about going to church. They, they never talk about the Bible. They, I don't see them pray over their lunch. I see them laughing at the coarse jokes. I I hear them talking about the weekend and what they did and it doesn't sound very Christian to me. See, guys, this is, this is what we're doing here, a Bible study, not just for head knowledge, for heart transformation for all of us, for myself included, because people are watching our walk. Look at it, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Did you hear that? The word of God that was written, as the saints read it, it transformed their lives and they walked differently. They walked in love and grace and mercy. They walked in unity. You see, that's how we can tell when a person is Christian, by their walk. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Notice that by mankind there. You look up that word men, it's mankind. Men, women, children, boys, girls, teenagers. And for you young adults, your your peers are watching your walk. They're reading an epistle. They may never read the Bible, but they're reading you. How is your life? How is your walk? Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink. In other words, not the law, But by the Spirit, again, notice capital S, the Holy Spirit of the living God. 
not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. And when the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about your physical heart. Every now and then it may, but predominantly it's talking about your soul, your makeup, your personality, who you are, how you act, how you react. Even during this message, you're acting and you're reacting to what I'm saying. That's called your soul. You're either receiving it and saying amen, or you're rejecting and saying this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. It's just the Bible. Because I do know what I'm talking about. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He's offering you the free gift of salvation. If you're a believer and you've been out of fellowship, you need to repent and get back into fellowship. That's the Bible. I do know what I'm talking about. The question is, will you accept the free gift of salvation? The question as a believer, will you accept the repentance that God is offering to you? That's the truth. That's the Bible. Well, at this time, you know, I'm going to offer up a prayer. And if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior this morning, if you would like to pray this prayer, You can pray this prayer, and it's not the prayer, it's your heart, it's your heart. Are you willing to receive Jesus as your Savior this morning? Are you willing to say, I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and I want to repent? Repent means to turn. I'm going to turn away from the world, and I'm going to turn to God. If you say, yes, I want to do that, that's the Holy Spirit inspiring you, offering you the free gift of salvation. Let's pray a prayer. Just pray this prayer after me, either out loud or in your heart. God, I get it. It makes sense. I acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. God, I invite your Holy Spirit right now to come into my life. I desire to become your son, to become your daughter. And I really don't know how all this works, but by faith, I'm going to trust you that you're going to show me that you loved me before the world was ever created. You're going to show me through your word. You're going to show me through other pastors, through other Bible-believing Christians, through men's Bible studies and women's Bible studies, through getting into fellowship with Bible-believing Christians. You are going to show me what it means to have the Holy Spirit dwelling within me. So I accept Jesus right now. And I say thank you for accepting me just the way I am. And that now through your Holy Spirit, through your word, you'll mature me, you'll wash my mind of worldly things, and you will help me to become more like Jesus each and every day. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And maybe you're backslidden. You know what that means. Pray this prayer with me. God, I repent. Right now, I repent. And I come back. 
And I ask for more of your Holy Spirit that I would surrender my life more each and every day to stay on the straight and narrow, to stay focused on heaven, that my flesh would be crucified and those worldly things would die and fall away. Thank you, God, for your love that you have for me, that you never left me, you never forsook me, and I am now home. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for this technology. We thank you that you're using it. Uh, from, what, from what we understand, thousands of people are receiving Jesus as their Savior. Lord, we pray for this whole world, whatever nation is upon this world. We pray for those people that are tuning in. And we say thank you, Father, for saving them. Strengthen us as we go out into our mission field to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you guys. If you receive Jesus as your Savior, please let us know. We'd love to know. Um, Email us, office at ccfqc.org. Let us know. We'd love to uh, send you a Bible. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.